Hare Krishna. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Hare Krishna, my dear devotees. Welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here in the Haven, which is located in Hive, Kent, Southeast England, just near the English Channel. We hope you're all healthy and wealthy and wise, <laughs> or at least healthy and wise. Uh, and, and happy in this day we're living in, the age we're living in, this Kali Yuga. Um, best thing we can do is to keep on hearing uh, the purports of Srila Prabhupada um, day after day together and examining the gems that are embedded in those purports uh, together and relishing. Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram by Srila Sanatana Goswami glorifies the Bhagavatam and shows us why we should be doing what we're doing. It goes like this Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha, Sarva Vedaika Satpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja, Sarva Lokaika Drikprada. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths. You are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dvanduditha Aditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun, risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya, Prema Varshakshadayate, Sarvada Seva Sevyaya, Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you, who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka bando matsangin, madguro man mahadana, manistadagamad bhagya, mad anandana mostute. My only friend, <clears throat> my only friend my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chochata kada hanamun chagada chinmam premnaritkanta yokspura O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om 
So we reached the eighth chapter of the fourth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Dhruva Maharaj leaves home for the forest. He has gone to the forest. He has met Narada Muni. Um, Narada Muni has advised him to go back home because he's just a little boy and he can do this later. Uh, Dhruva Maharaj has expressed his extreme desire for Narada to tell him uh, how he can fulfill his desires because his mind can't hear him at the moment because he's too wound up about <laughs> getting a kingdom better than his father and grandfather. And now Narada Muni is going to respond to Dhruva Maharaj, starting, starting with text 40. <clears throat> the great sage Narada told Dhruva Maharaj, the instruction given by your mother, Suniti, to follow the path of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is just suitable for you. You should therefore completely absorb yourself in the devotional service of the Lord. Purport Dhruva Maharaj's demand was to achieve an abode even greater than Lord Brahma's. Within this universe, Lord Brahma is supposed to be in the most exalted position, for he is the chief of all demigods. But Dhruva Maharaj wanted a realm beyond his. Therefore his desire was not to be fulfilled by worshipping any demigod. As described in Bhagavad Gita, the benedictions offered by the demigods are all temporary. Therefore, Narada Muni asked Dhruva Maharaj to follow the path recommended by his mother to worship Krishna, Vasudev. When Krishna offers anything, it is beyond the expectation of the devotee. Both Suniti and Narada Muni knew that the demand of Dhruva Maharaj was impossible for any demigod to fulfill, and therefore both of them recommended the following the process of devotional service to Lord Krishna. Narada Muni is referred to here as Bhagavan because he can bless any person just as the Supreme Personality of Godhead can. He was very pleased with Dhruva Maharaj and he could have at once personally given whatever he wanted but that is not the duty of the spiritual master. His duty is to ex engage the disciple in proper devotional service as prescribed in the Shastras. Krishna was similarly present before Arjuna. And even though he could have given him all facilities for victory over the opposing party without a fight, he did not do so. Instead, he asked Arjuna, to fight. In the same way, Narada Muni asked Dhruva Maharaj to undergo devotional discipline in order to achieve the desired result. Text 41 Any person who desires the fruits of the four principles religiosity, economic development, sense gratification, and at the end, liberation should engage himself 
in the devotional service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, for worship of His lotus feet yields the fulfillment of all of these. Purport In Bhagavad Gita, it is said that only with the sanction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead can the demigods offer benedictions. Therefore, whenever any sacrifice is offered to a demigod, the Supreme Lord, in the form of Narayana Shila, Shila or Shalagram Shila, is put forward to observe the sacrifice. Actually, the demigods cannot give any benediction without the sanction of the Supreme Lord. Narada Muni, therefore, advised that even for religiosity, economic development, sense gratification, or liberation, one should approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead, offer prayers, and ask for the fulfillment of one's desire at the lotus feet of the Lord. That is real intelligence. An intelligent person never goes to demigods to pray for anything. He goes directly to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the cause of all benediction. As Lord Sri Krishna has said in, Bhagavad Gita, in the Bhagavad Gita, <clears throat> performance of ritualistic ceremonies is not actually religion. The real path of religion is to surrender at the lotus feet of the Lord. For one who is actually surrendered to the lotus feet of the Lord, there is no question of any separate endeavor for economic development. A devotee engaged in service to the Lord is not disappointed in the satisfaction of his senses. If he wants to satisfy his senses, Krishna fulfills that desire. As far as liberation is concerned, any devotee fully engaged in the service of the Lord is already liberated. Therefore, there is no separate necessity for his liberation. Narada Muni therefore advised Dhruva Maharaj to take shelter of Vasudev, Lord Krishna, and engage himself in the way that his mother had advised, for that would help him fulfill his desire. In this verse, Narada Muni has especially stressed the devotional service of the Lord as the only way. In other words, even if one is full of material desires, he can continue his devotional service to the Lord and all his desires will be fulfilled. Text 42 <clears throat> My dear boy, I therefore wish all good fortune for you. You should go to the bank of the Yamuna where there is a virtuous forest named Maruvan and there be purified. Just by going there, one draws nearer to the Supreme Personality of Godhead who always lives there. Purport Both Narada Muni and Suniti, the mother of Dhruva Maharaj, advised Dhruva Maharaj to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now, Narada Muni is especially giving him directions how this worship of the Supreme Person 
can be very quickly can very quickly fructify. He recommends that Dhruva Maharaj go to the bank of the Yamuna, where there is a forest of the name Madhuvan, and begin his meditation and worship there. Places of pilgrimage yield a special advantage for a devotee in quickly advancing his spiritual life. Lord Krishna lives everywhere, but but still it is still it but still it is very easy to approach him in holy places of pilgrimage, because these places are inhabited by great sages. Lord Sri Krishna says that he lives wherever his devotees are chanting the glories of his transcendental activities. There are many places of pilgrimage in India, and especially prominent are Badrinarayana, Dwarka, Rameshwar, and Jagannath Puri. These sacred places are called the four Dhams. Dham refers to a place where one can immediately contact the Supreme Lord. To go to, 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 go to Badri Narayana, one has to pass through Hardwar on the path to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Similarly, there are other holy places of pilgrimage, such as Prayag, Allahabad, and Mathura, and the topmost of them all is Vrindavan. Unless one is very advanced in spiritual life, it is recommended that he live in such holy places and execute devotional service there. But an advanced devotee, like Narada Muni, who is engaged in preaching work, can serve the Supreme Lord anywhere. Sometimes he even goes to the hellish planets. Hellish conditions do not affect Narada Muni because he is engaged in greatly responsible activities in devotional service. According to the statement of Narada Muni, Madhuvan, which is still existing in the Vrindavan area in the district of Mathura, is, is a most sacred place. <clears throat> Many saintly persons still live there and engage in the devotional service of the Lord. There are twelve forests in the area of Vrindavan and Madhuvan is one of them. Pilgrims from all parts of India assemble together and visit all twelve of these forests. There are five forests on the eastern bank of the Yamuna, Bhadravan, Bilbavan, Lohavan, Bandiravan, and Mahavan. On the western side of the bank, there are seven, Madhuvan, Talavan, Kamudavan, Bahulavan, Kamyavan, Kandiravan, Kadiravan, and Vrindavan. In those twelve forests, there are different ghats or bathing places. They are listed as follows. 1. Avimukta 2. Adiruddha 3. Guyatirtha 4. Prayagtirtha 5. Kanakala 6. Tirtha, 7. Surya Tirtha, 8. Bhattaswami, 9. Dhruvagat, Dhruvagat, where there are many nice trees of fruits and flowers, is famous because Dhruva Maharaj meditated and underwent 
severe penances and austerities there in an elevated spot. 10. Rishi Tirtha 11. Moksha Tirtha 12. Buddha Tirtha 13. Gokarna 14. Krishna Ganga 15. Vaikuntha 16. Asikunda 17. Chatu Sumudrika Kup 18. Akrura Tirtha where Krishna and Balaram were going to Mathura in the chariot driven by Akrura. All of them took baths in this god. 19. Yagika Viprastana Yagika Viprastana 20. Kubja Kupa 21. Rangastala 22. Manchastala 23. Malayudastana and 24. Dashashwameda 43. Narda Muni instructed, My dear boy, in the waters of the Yamuna, in the waters of the Yamuna River, which is known as Kalindi, you should take three baths daily because the water is very auspicious, sacred and clear. After bathing, you should perform the necessary regulated principles for Ashtanga Yoga and then sit down on your asana, sitting place, in a calm and quiet position. Purport It appears from this statement that Dhruva Maharaj had already been instructed how to practice the Eightfold Yoga system, which is known as Ashtanga Yoga. This system is explained in our Bhagavad Gita as it is, in the chapter entitled Dhyana Yoga. It is understood that in Ashtanga Yoga, one practices settling the mind and then concentrating it on the form of Lord Vishnu, as will be described in the following verses. It is clearly stated here that Ashtanga Yoga is not a bodily gymnastic exercise, but a practice to concentrate the mind on the form of Vishnu. Before sitting on his asana, which is also described in Bhagavad Gita, one has to cleanse himself very nicely in clear or sacred water thrice daily. The water of the Yamuna is naturally very clear and pure, and thus, if anyone bathes there three times, undoubtedly he will be very greatly purified externally. Narada Muni therefore instructed Dhruva Maharaj to go to the bank of the Yamuna and thus become externally purified. This is part of the gradual process of practicing mystic yoga. Text 44 After sitting on your seat, practice the three kinds of breathing exercises and thus gradually control the life air, the mind, and the senses. Completely free yourself from all material contamination and with great patience begin to meditate on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport In this verse, the entire yoga system is described in summary. 
and special stress is given to the breathing exercises for stopping the disturbing mind. The mind by nature is always oscillating, for it is very fickle, but the breathing exercise is meant to control it. This process of controlling the mind might have been very possible in those days, millions of years ago, when Dhruva Maharaj took to it. But at the present moment, the mind has to be fixed directly on the lotus feet of the Lord by the chanting process. By chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, one immediately concentrates on the sound vibration and thinks of the lotus feet of the Lord. And very quickly, one is elevated to the position of samadhi or trance. If one goes on chanting the holy names of the Lord, which are not different from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, naturally his mind becomes absorbed in the thought of the Lord. It is here recommended to Dhruva Maharaj that he meditate on the Supreme Guru or Supreme Spiritual Master. The Supreme Spiritual Master is Krishna, who is therefore known as Chaitya Guru. This refers to the Supersoul, who is sitting in everyone's heart. He helps from within, as stated in Bhagavad Gita, and he sends the spiritual master who helps from without. The spiritual master is the external manifestation of the Chaitya Guru, or the spiritual master sitting in everyone's heart. The process by which we give up our thoughts of material things is called Pratyahara, which entails being freed from all material thoughts and engagements. The word Abhidhyayat, which is used in this verse, indicates that unless one's mind is fixed, one cannot meditate. The conclusion, therefore, is that meditation means thinking of the Lord within. Whether one comes to that stage by the Ashtanga Yoga system or by the method recommended in the Shastras, especially for this present age, to constantly chant the holy name of the Lord. The goal is to meditate on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Text 45 The face of the Lord is described herein. The Lord's face is perpetually very beautiful and pleasing in attitude. To the devotees who see Him, He appears never to be displeased, and He is always prepared to award benedictions to them. His eyes, His nicely decorated eyebrows, His raised nose, and His broad forehead are all very beautiful. He is more beautiful than all the demigods. Purport. This verse clearly explains how one has to meditate on the form of the Lord. Impersonal meditation is a bogus invention from, of modern days. In none of the Vedic literatures is impersonal meditation recommended. In Bhagavad Gita, when meditation is recommended, the word matpara, which means pertaining to me, is used. 
Any Vishnu form pertains to Lord Krishna because Lord Krishna is the original Vishnu form. Sometimes someone tries to meditate upon the impersonal Brahman, which is described in Bhagavad Gita as avyakta, meaning unmanifested or impersonal. But it is remarked by the Lord Himself that those who are attached to this impersonal feature of the Lord suffer, suffer a very troublesome task because no one can concentrate on the impersonal feature. One has to concentrate on the form of the Lord, which is described here in connection with Dhruva Maharaja's meditation. As will be apparent from later descriptions, Dhruva Maharaj perfected this kind of meditation and his yoga was successful. Text 46 Nardamuni continued, The Lord's form is always youthful. Every limb and every part of His body is properly formed, free from defect. His eyes and lips are pinkish like the rising sun. He is always prepared to give shelter to the surrendered soul, and anyone so fortunate as to look upon Him feels all satisfaction. The Lord is always worthy to be the master of the surrendered soul, for He is the, an o the ocean of mercy. Purport Everyone has to surrender to someone superior. That is always the nature of our living condition. At the present moment, we are trying to surrender to someone, either to society, or to our nation, family, state, or government. The surrendering process already exists, but it is never perfect because the person or institution unto whom we surrender is imperfect and our surrender, having so many ulterior motives, is also imperfect. As such, in the material world, no one is worthy to accept anyone's surrender nor does anyone fully surrender to anyone else unless obliged to do so. But here, the surrendering process is voluntary and the Lord is worthy to accept the surrender. This surrender by the living entity occurs automatically as soon as he sees the beautiful, youthful nature of the Lord. The description given by Narada Muni is not imaginary. The form of the Lord is understood by the parampara system. Mayabadi philosophers say that we have to imagine the form of the Lord. But here, Narada Muni does not say that. Rather, he gives the description of the Lord from the authoritative sources. He is himself an authority and he is able to go to Vaikuntha Loka and see the Lord personally. Therefore, his description of the bodily features of the Lord is not imagination. Sometimes we give instructions to our students about the bodily features of the Lord and they paint Him. Their paintings are not imaginary. 
The description is given through disciplic succession, just like that given by Narada Muni, who sees the Lord and describes his bodily features. Therefore, such descriptions should be accepted. And if they are painted, that is not imaginative painting. Text 47 The Lord is further described as having the mark of Srivats, or the sitting place of the goddess of fortune, and his bodily hue is deep bluish. The Lord is a person. He wears a garland of flowers, and he is eternally manifest with four hands, which hold, beginning from the lower left hand, a conch shell, wheel, club, and lotus flower. Purport. Here in this verse, the word Purusham is very significant. <clears throat> the Lord is never female. He is always male, Purusha. Therefore, the impersonalist who imagines the Lord's form as that of a woman is mistaken. The Lord appears in female form if necessary, but His perpetual form is Purusha because He is originally male. The feminine feature of the Lord is displayed by goddesses of fortune, Lakshmi, Radharani, Sita, etc. All these goddesses of fortune are servitors of the Lord. They are not the supreme, as falsely imagined by the impersonalist. Lord Krishna, in his Narayana feature, is always four-handed. On the battlefield of Kurukshetra, when Arjuna wanted to see his universal form, he showed this feature of the four-handed Narayana. Some devotees are of the opinion that Krishna is an incarnation of Narayana. But the Bhagavad school says that Narayana is a manifestation of Krishna. Text 48 The entire body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vasudev, is decorated. He wears a valuable jeweled helmet, necklaces, and bracelets. His neck is adorned with the Kostuba jewel, and he is dressed in yellow silk garments. Text 49 The Lord is decorated with small golden bells around his waist, and his lotus feet are decorated with golden ankle bells. All his bodily features are very attractive and pleasing to the eyes. He is always peaceful, calm and quiet and very pleasing to the eyes and the mind. Text 50 Real yogis meditate upon the transcendental form of the Lord as He stands on the horal of the lotus of their hearts the jewel-like nails of his lotus feet, glittering. Text 51 The Lord is always smiling, and the devotee should constantly see the Lord in this form as he looks very mercifully toward the devotee. In this way, the meditator should look toward the Supreme Personality of Godhead 
the bestower of all benedictions. Purport. The word niyatena is very significant in this connection, for it indicates that one should execute the meditation practice as stated above. One should not manufacture a way of meditation on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but should follow the authorized shastras and personalities. By this prescribed method, one can practice concentration upon the Lord until one is so fixed that he remains in trance, thinking always of the form of the Lord. The word used here is ekabhutena, which means with great attention and concentration. If one concentrates on the descriptions of the bodily features of the Lord, one will never fall down. Text 52 One who meditates in this way, concentrating his mind upon the always auspicious form of the Lord, is very soon freed from all material contamination, and he does not come down from meditation upon the Lord. Purport This fixed meditation is called samadhi, or trance. A person constantly engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord cannot be deviated from meditating on the form of the Lord as described herein. The Archana Marg, or the devotional path prescribed in the Pancharatra system of devotional service for worshipping the deity in the temple, makes the devotee think constantly of the Lord. That is samadhi, or trance. One who practices in this way cannot deviate from the service of the Lord, and that makes him perfect in the mission of human life. Text 53 O son of the king, I shall now speak unto you the mantra, which is to be chanted with this process of meditation. One who carefully chants this mantra for seven nights, can see the perfect human beings flying in the sky. Purport Within this universe, there is a planet called Siddhaloka. The inhabitants of Siddhaloka are by nature perfect in the yoga achievements, which are of eight varieties. One can become smaller than the smallest, lighter than the lightest, or bigger than the biggest. One can immediately get whatever he likes. One can even create a planet, and so on. These are some of the yogic perfections. By virtue of Lagima Siddhi, or purificatory process to become lighter than the lightest, the inhabitants of Siddhaloka can fly in the sky without airplanes or airships. It is hinted herein by Narada Muni to Dhruva Maharaj, that by meditating upon the transcendental form of the Lord and at the same time chanting the mantra, one becomes so perfect within seven days that he can see the human beings who fly in the sky. Narada Muni uses the word japa, which indicates that the mantra to be chanted is very confidential. 
One may ask, if it is confidential, why is it mentioned in the writing of Srimad Bhagavatam? It is confidential in this sense. One may receive a published mantra anywhere, but unless it is accepted through the chain of disciplic succession, the mantra does not act. It is said by authoritative sources that any mantra chanted without having been received from the disciplic succession has no efficacy. Another point established in this verse is that meditation should be carried on with the chanting of a mantra. Chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra is the easiest process of meditation in this age. As soon as one chants the Hare Krishna mantra, he sees the forms of Krishna Rama and their energies. And that is the perfect stage of trance. One should not artificially try to see the form of the Lord while chanting Hare Krishna. I'll repeat that again. This is very important. One should not artificially try to see the form of the Lord while chanting Hare Krishna. But when, chant, but when the chanting is performed offenselessly, the Lord will automatically reveal Himself to the view of the chanter. The chanter therefore has to concentrate on hearing the vibration and without extra endeavor on his part, the Lord will automatically appear. Text 54 And we'll stop here. It's 8 o'clock. We got a little extra reading in tonight. Such wonderful descriptions by Narada Muni to Dhruva Maharaj. Tomorrow we'll start a text 54. And now we'll wait patiently for the reflections from the assembled sages. Hare Krishna. Okay, first is from Rati Manjari. Hare Krishna Rati. Jaguru Maharaj. Mm. Hare Krishna. Thank you for being so fixed in your service of sharing this wisdom. By your determination we are blessed day after day. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much. And from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Yes, Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all the assembled sages, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and Srimad Bhagavatam. Jai Ho Maharaj for delivering the nectars every day to everyone. Hare Krishna. Thank you for your encouraging words every day. Hare Bo. And from Hannah. Yeah. <coughs> yes, Hannah. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. We read today about the four dhams and that, quote, unless one is very advanced in spiritual life, it is recommended that he live in such a holy place and execute devotional service there, unquote. Can you speak a little on what it means to live in the holy dham and if someone like me could or should, 
someone not advanced in spiritual life. <clears throat> it's not always practical, uh, especially for devotees who live in the West and have been raised in the West, to actually live in one of these holy places. There's language barriers, cultural barriers. Uh, in Jagannath Puri, for instance, you know, the Westerners cannot enter into the temple to see the, devo the, the, the Lord. So Prabhupada, knowing all this, he established temples and uh, installed the archa form of the Lord, which is not different from the Lord. So we're the archa form is properly installed and, and properly worshipped. The atmosphere in that area of that de deity, of the area of the temple, uh, becomes surcharged with spiritual potencies. And the fact is that anywhere where the glories of the Lord are done uh, with uh, among devotees, that place becomes a place of pilgrimage. So, um, for us Westerners, the most practical thing to do, if we don't have the facility to go and try to live in Vrindavan, and even then, Jiva Prabhupada recommended that unless you are advanced, you should not try to go and live in Vrindavan. Uh, you should go to visit a pilgrimage uh, and then return to your home. Uh, Mayapur is more forgiving and more accessible and there's a large community of devotees living there. Uh, but still, it's not practical for everyone to do that. Therefore, Prabhupada made this uh, society, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which has hundreds of temples all over the world. And one should live uh, in the temple or around the temple or in the community of devotees and stay in the association of the devotees. And then devotional service can be successful. And that requires that we adjust our habits in a way that it's comfortable to live in a spiritual environment. If we don't adjust ourselves and try to live in a spiritual environment, then the effect of our activities, good or bad, become amplified. The devotional service you do in the company of other Vaishnavas, in the Holy Dham, uh, becomes amplified hundreds of times. And at the same time, if you make mistakes, or especially if you make aparads to the deities or the Holy Dham or to the devotees, then that uh, mistake is amplified hundreds or thousands of times. So the benefit of living in the Holy Dham is there if one can uh, behave properly and, and follow the directions of the previous acharyas uh, according to the standard of devotional service and live without offense. If you do that, then you can go back to the spiritual world just by living in the Holy Dham. Hare Krishna. She has one more comment also. Hmm. We also read about the inhabitants of Siddha Loka. 
I'm feeling very grateful we read this because since my grandmother is Mormon and I live with her, Mormon missionaries often visit our house. Their end goal is to actually be an inhabitant of Siddhaloka. <laughs> they want to be perfect and create planets. So this is an amazing preaching opportunity. Maybe with your blessings I can preach nicely to them when they come. Hare Krishna. Yes, be my guest. Hare Krishna. But don't be disappointed if the Siddhas in, in Mormon church aren't receptive. Don't, be, don't get false expectations. Hare Krishna. From Braj Palaba? Yes, Braj Palaba. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. It gave me some peace to know when the Lord appears, He is quiet but smiling and peaceful. I can only imagine that, Darshan. Yes. Yes, and we can get that Darshan whenever we want in the installed de deities, especially those that were installed by Srila Prabhupada. They're special. But anywhere they were in, properly installed and worshipped, that place is special. And when you go and see the beauty of the deities and how they're dressed, you were, you were, Braj was telling me the other day when he came in and he looked at our altar, he saw Krishna in 3D. He, was, he wasn't joking, he said he saw the, the, the photo looked like it looked three-dimensional. And I told him that I always see the forms on, on our altar as three-dimensional. Hare Krishna. From Subharal? Yes, Subharal. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for your daily readings and particularly the delineation and the aspect of living in the Dham. Hmm. Well, thank you for your encouraging words. Hare Krishna. And from Nikki. Yes, Nikki. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for reading tonight. Thank you for listening tonight. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for your reflections and bringing out these. It's especially sweet when devotees bring out different sentences or different you know, thoughts from Srila Prabhupada's purports. And we can all look at them together. It's so sweet. Yes. From Koladvipati? Yes, Koladvipati. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai Prabhupada. Very mesmerizing description of the Lord sitting on the lotus-like wall of the devotee's heart with his jewel-like nails glittering. Yes. In contrast, I appreciated how Prabhupada explained the so-called modern impersonal meditation as a bogus invention of modern days. Yes. Yes, because the, the modern day yoga societies and yoga clubs, 
they have no authoritative basis for what they're doing, you know. And that was that was brought out very clearly also in the purports of Srimad Prabhupada, that unless you receive the mantra, unless you receive the instructions from an authorized person, it doesn't or it, it doesn't have the same potency. You have to receive the mantra through the disciplic succession, through the Guru Parampara, and then it has potency and it acts. We may not be able to always perceive how it's acting, but it is acting. And as I always say, if you don't if you can't perceive it, then just remember with your mind what it was like before you knew anything about Krishna and then pause there and meditate on what you were like and what the difference is between now and then and then project your mind into the future and you will see clearly first of all how much advancement you have made by chanting the mantra given to you by your spiritual master and then you will you know, be encouraged to think that if I continue to do this in the future, I will be even better, even better situated, if you take it properly. These are encouraging thoughts. These are thoughts, trains of thought that lead us in the right direction. Hare Krishna. Yes, Sarvagya. Please accept my humble obeisances to you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. The Siddhaloka yogis, do they meditate on the Lord's impersonal form? or? You know, I've never heard anything uh, about that. I've only heard that the Siddhaloka planet is above our planet. <coughs> and as far as I know... Uh, at least it may be in the Puranas somewhere that they have more details, but I haven't read them. And in Srila Prabhupada's books, uh, the details aren't there. But we know that they are born with perfections, yogic perfections. And as we heard in the, in the purports, they can travel by those yogic perfections. They can travel from one planet to another. So... You know, I don't have any more details about about them. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Prem Anandi Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic as Dhruva Maharaj continues his adventure in the forest. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow.